1: This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Use code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, April 2nd. And Brendan, it is Mm. our first series recap of the year. It started great. started on a great note on opening day on thursday a four to nothing win behind a great start from marcus stroman dansby swanson leading the way setting the tone uh Mm -hmm. the weekend didn't end as fun as opening day was. The Cubs drop two of three to the Milwaukee Brewers. So they start the season one and two before they head to Cincinnati on Monday. We will talk all things in this series. We will break down the good, the bad, the ugly, the fun, the not so fun, and everything in between. Uh, But... Before we jump into as 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 usual, we'll take a look at you know some of the box scores a little bit, some of the stats at the table for the conversation. Brendan's going to have all sorts of pitching data and stats and info and insights for you. Uh, just general thoughts, Brendan. Obviously, uh, a sort of interesting feeling to the. I guess extended weekend since it started on Thursday, mm-hmm. but just the really good vibes on Thursday. Then you have the off day on Friday, and then just a much less pleasant uh, two games on Saturday and Sunday. H- how do you feel? It you know to to start the season there. There it was a little overwhelming, right? Because we're we're getting used to seeing Dansby as a Cub. Nico's out there oh, yeah. post extension, doing Nico oh, yeah. things. How are you mm-hmm. feeling after the first three games of 162?
0: Yeah, every time the season starts and they start doing well, then start losing, I'm always surprised how much this team affects my mental health, Corey. Like that's my big takeaway. Like the after that first win on Thursday, you know, I'm feeling good, feeling high. You have Dansby hitting a cover off the ball, making place left and right. Even to start Saturday's game, you saw the same thing, and then the Cubs just ended up not finishing these games. So there's good There's bad. You're coming away optimistic about several facets of the game, but it's that feeling of being disappointed and upset that every year surprises me that it never goes away.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I, you know, I think like we had kind of joked about. Really, all it took was that four to nothing win on Thursday. That's all it was. You, me. I talked to our guy Cody Delmendo that day, uh, at Murphy's later that evening. Very easy for us. And I'm sure a lot of you listening to sort of immediately start like going, well, you know, like, <laughs> what do I think about their expected, you know, amount of wins? And maybe yeah, it Yeah, maybe we're low. wrong about yeah. that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Brought
1: yeah. back down to earth over the weekend, at a least bit. a little bit. But uh, I, I I do want to get into, you know, some of the, the deeper discussion. Uh, but for me, you know, first impressions, an amazing opening day, right? It's it's always, first and foremost, great to be back at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field, which, of course, uh really great t-shirt that uh, the CHGO team came up with. If you want to go to allchgo.com, check out the beautiful, historic t-shirt. It's great. Um, just great to be there. My hot dog, delicious.
0: Yeah, how it. is hot the hot dog? The
1: onions, perfectly grilled. Grilled the onions, pickle, right? a sport pepper, tomato you, you mm. know the deal amazing I do. right great vibes in section 216 as always uh but just you know to see the field so many cubs fans wrigleyville was alive we had our pregame show uh at country club on clark street to start the the season and just amazing to be back in that environment right like baseball even aside just always amazing to be back at wrigley field and, and experience those vibes um watching Dansby, a ton of fun, seeing his leadership immediately on display. We heard so much over the offseason about how important winning was to him, right? And it sounds like somewhat of a cliche when you hear it from an athlete and a a championship athlete at that. But winning, I came here to win. I want to win. I want to win. Every article, every interview, right? But then you watch him for three games three real games you see it. and you see it right I know you Ooh. tweeted something that you know when uh, I think it was when Ian Happ hit hit the home run on Saturday first person on top of the dugout Dan yep, B. Swanson, right there right yep and just seeing his passion and the way he you know he beats out a, a sing an infield single he's pumping his fist he's jacked up after defensive plays you just really saw that so that was cool to see Um, great pitching performances from a lot of the guys on this Cubs roster. So there was a lot to like, um, but ultimately – you drop the series; it's you know three games out of a very long season, uh, and I think that context is is certainly important. Uh, but we'll get into it, and we'll get into you know this roster and how they lost these games over the weekend, how they won the game on Thursday, um, and kind of you know try to I think put it all in context. It's it's mm-hmm. it's one of those weird things, Brendan, where you look at this and it's like it's three games. They won one of them. In a series that, that featured Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, you won one of those games. You feel pretty good about that, right? Um, weather's all over the place in Chicago, and it's a 162-game season. So it's, it's a very small blip on a much larger radar, right? But at the same time, you look at a game like Saturday, and you think, this is a potential recipe for how they would lose a lot of games, right? Yeah. Sunday got away from them, right? It happens, but then you drop the series. You have a tough schedule here uh, coming up in terms of uh, some of the teams you play to kind of start this season. And you're looking at the roster construction, how some of these things played out. It's it's just a weird vibe, right? You know you know what I mean? Where you you don't want to overreact to three games, but at the same time, you kind of see some stuff and you're like, huh, well,
0: food for thought. Well, we've been talking about it for months too. It's like, you know, the Cubs could do this. They could win this many games if they field this certain player. And we we've, we've talked we'll talk about it, but we talked about different ways they can field their infield, whether it be with Morel or Magical or Wisdom. And when you actually see the final product out there and some of the plays not being made or the plays that are being made, it kind of validates what you've uh-huh. been talking about. So you you can't help but at least overreact cuz everything is so new. Sure. We haven't seen baseball in 6 months. So it's natural to be like, ah, oh, you know, is this going to continue? Do they need to make a move now because we've been <laughs> right. talking about this for the next for the last 4 months.
1: Yeah, well, and that was the funny thing uh, about Cubs Twitter. You know, just the the various reactions, right? Um, we were seeing calls from Matt Mervis, Christopher Morel. You know, but, but I mean, like I'm five making, minutes, I'm into making the those season, calls, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, now that being said, though, you look at Thursday, and you you know, similarly to how you might look at Saturday, and say, okay, that's how they might lose a lot of games just because of yeah. the way the team is built and the kind of baseball they're going to play. You look at. Thursday, opening day, and you think, well, that's how this was drawn up, right? You got great pitching. You did enough against a really good starting pitcher in Corbin Burns. You had him on the ropes in a couple moments, and you you landed the punch, right? You did enough. You got solid a solid start. You got solid relief work, and your offense did enough, and that is the recipe for success. Marcus Stroman was letting him put the ball on the ground. The defense was eating it up, and that's your recipe for success, right? So it was a, it was a mix of everything, right? And I think to me, uh, and we'll we'll take a quick look at, at you know the, the box scores and how it played out. But I think Sunday got away from them. Tyone didn't have his good stuff. We'll obviously talk to you about what you saw and things like that. It happens, right? It's not that big a deal. The, the Brewers, a lot of those balls in play fell uh, exactly where they needed to be. A lot of bloops, things like that. Some hard hit balls, of course, too. But it happens. To me. I'm more fascinated by the first two games in this series because I really do think those are... I think we're going to see a lot of those games, Brendan. And obviously you're hoping that there's more of the ones like Thursday where the Cubs do all those little things, they execute when they need to, and they are able to pull out a win. But I think those two games represent a lot of what we're going to see in this season. Close games, little things, you know, those, those, those... key pitches, those walks that come around to hurt you, uh, balls finding grass in the outfield or squeaking through the infield, things like that, plays you did or didn't execute, just such a thin margin for error either from victory or defeat. And I think that's really going to be the hallmark of this Cubs season.
0: Yeah, the thin margin for error is what I was kind of harping on. I couldn't shake that feeling on Saturday and Sunday. Because there were plays where they were so close to making and you just can't help but wonder, man, if this decision was made, could this have been avoided? If they were more aggressive in certain roster construction, could that have been avoided? And one of the examples is kind of like nitpicky, but I do think it's fair to discuss is like you look at some of the late inning reliever calls, bringing in, let's say, Boxberger or Fulmer. And in a vacuum, those guys are fine. They're really valuable relievers. But as we were talking about the entire offseason in that second game, when you needed a whiff, the Cubs did not employ a reliever sure. that could get yeah. whiffs. So what happened? You lost a game on a blue pit. Right. That's exactly... On a pitch
1: out of the zone. I mean, it was a good pitch a, from Michael It Fulmer, was a great
0: but, yeah. pitch. He executed. Right. And they can only do so much. So what are the alternatives? The alternatives could be signing someone that could get more whips with sacrificing some of the command potential, maybe putting Alzelay in a higher leverage situation, risking his infamiliarity or his lack of experience in those situations, or being aggressive with some of your AAA, even lower level AA guys, bringing them up right away and not fielding and rostering some of these other pitchers. So that's where I kind of like, uh, kind of, Irritates me a little bit because those are the thin margin calls, and they're not obvious decisions to be made. I'm not saying, oh, you know, it was obvious to to not throw Fulmer in the seventh or eighth inning. No, like of course it's such a difficult decision to make, but it's those types of decisions that the Cubs cannot afford to miss on. Right. If they do this consistently, they keep missing on those margins, they will not make the playoffs. Right, and and as you said, this is a lot of stuff that
1: uh, you know, you, me, Luke, Cody, Ryan, Jared have talked about pretty much this entire off season. Right, we've certainly been more interested, more excited about this group, but acknowledging that for this to be a successful season, their roster construction is going to have to be maximized at all times. Right, they just don't have the star power all over the field to get away with not getting every little decision, right? Same Mm -hmm. with how we've all talked, uh, and I know Luke talked about it in the pregame on Thursday, like when we're evaluating David Ross and how critical he is in this particular season because every little thing is going to matter, Is the right guy playing today? Is the right matchup today? Is this the right guy to bring in out of the bullpen? Things like that. The way this team is structured, and you look at those first two games that are so close that that you got got to get them right, right? It's a chess match, and you have to win it. You know, you can't just blow them out every game. So it's 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 a lot of what we expected, I think, in this particular weekend. So let's let's look at some of the highlights uh, from the series that we saw on Thursday: a four to nothing win on opening day, as you would have drawn it up. Dansby Swanson drives in the first runs of the season for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I, I don't B. think you could have drawn that up a better way. He had an incredible mm-hmm. weekend, Dansby Swanson, uh, really planting his flag at Wrigley Field. He is here. He is your shortstop. And he's really good at baseball, folks. For the next seven years. Bro. And, you know, as we get into this, there's so much to talk about. Uh, but as a brief aside, as we're looking at this, like he's one of those players. And I, I think Jared uh, mentioned this in his tweets this weekend. He was uh, filling in for Ryan this weekend, covering the Cubs for all chdo.com at, at Wrigley Field. and he I think he mentioned that Dansby's one of those guys who you knew he was a great fielder right you knew he was great but then you see it up close when you're at the game or when you're he's on your team and you're and you just get it right you're like oh man like I knew this guy was an elite fielder he wins awards he's an all-star like we know right but then you see it and there's just something different about it right that play he made from his knees on the grass spectacular incredible just a
0: spectacular play right yeah anyway (laughs) this could just be
1: a dansby episode right we
0: can do it if you want you know this episode can be four hours if you really want it
1: really could yeah um okay great start (laughs) on opening day from marcus stroman he picks up his first win of the year six innings three hits no runs three walks eight strikeouts uh marcus stroman also gets seven ground balls no fly outs seven ground outs That's the recipe, folks, right? He said Mm -hmm. Sanker's going to be Sankin. I'm going to let those guys do the work up the middle. That is literally exactly what he did. Uh, Eight strikeouts doesn't hurt anything either. But no runs for Marcus Stroman, him, and Justin Steele uh, doing something I believe that hadn't been done since closer to the turn of last century uh, in terms of the Cubs' first two starters of the season, both delivering scoreless outings. So, obviously, a very good start there. Keegan Thompson gets a scoreless inning in this one. Brad Boxberger, a scoreless inning. And Michael Fulmer, uh, a scoreless inning with two strikeouts on opening day. The other runs for the Cubs driven in by Trey Mancini on a single and Jan Gomes reaching on a fielder's choice four to nothing that was all she wrote the vibes were great at Wrigley Field Brendan Steve Goodman playing at the end of the day the W flag flying above the scoreboard you really couldn't have drawn it up and as we sort of talked about a second ago that is the recipe for how the Cubs are going to win a lot of games this season how many I don't know enough to make the playoffs I don't know, but a lot of the games the Cubs win, I guarantee you will have that feel. Great pitching, great defense, and just enough offense.
0: Yeah, that's what it was, and that's kind of the expectation going into the year. If you play good defense, which they're going to, then they have the pitching depth, they have the pitching extremes to surprise folks, and that to me is probably the most optimistic takeaway is that the pitching looked good. Steele looked really good. Strowman looked really good. Tyone's stuff was there. The command was a little bit leaky, but nothing from Tyone's repertoire signaled we should be worried. A lot of the bullpen guys, they looked good. Maybe not as sharp as you might otherwise hoped for, but Fulmer had his stuff. Boxberger had his stuff. Assad, unfortunately, the second inning through did not have his stuff Fine-tuned, but you can kind of see how it's going to work out. And the pitching, a lot of the projections f- did not favor the Cubs. Steele's projection was not good. Tyone's projection is average, slightly below league average, and Stroman's projection is about slightly above league average. And the hope there is that if they continue to throw as we hope they can, and as we think they can, given what we heard, they've been working on the entire offseason with Tyone's new sweeper. With steals, rapid development of a slider enforcing, you can imagine that that situation, that scenario does end up working. And they do win more games than the 80-ish or so they were projected to win. So you saw that in this series. I think that is encouraging. What
1: was your genuine reaction? We saw oh, a boy. couple, I think, of them. But the first Nico
0: Dansby double I mean, play. I mean, I... First off, you know, I can't stand up that fast or I'll faint Mm -hmm. when that happens. Because, like, my my brain is just like swimming in in dopamine when that happens. So I get this, like, almost like hypoglycemic shock when I stand up. So that was my reaction was, all right, you're excited, but, you know, I got to stay alive because I got to see more of them. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Uh, Saturday. So we have the off day Friday. Saturday, a great start from Justin Steele is spoiled uh by I you know kind of the bullpen but I, it's it feels tough to put that on Javier Assad it was just a
0: well he did lose the command there yeah so, you know, but was it, a little again ball,
1: so. it's it's a good piece of hitting by uh William Contreras like it, it is what it is um to you know bring in the winning runs and stuff I, I don't know uh yeah. Justin Steele though six innings three hits one walk eight strikeouts no runs just brilliant from Justin Steele um what did you see from Justin in this game oh man and like even just talking to you seeing your tweets and stuff like Justin was so good in 2022 he obviously you know sort of I think jumped uh, far ahead of what people expected for him and he came out in this game on Saturday and really I think made a statement of I'm I'm gonna be even better Like people are talking about Hayden Wisniewski. People are excited about um, Jamison Tyone. Marcus Stroman gets the ball
0: on opening day. Don't you dare forget about (laughs) Justin Steele. Yeah. So I, I wrote down notes of what I saw this series I had Stroman sinker being dominant again. That's kind of an obvious one. Then I had other notes like Azolla's cutter usage, Keegan Thompson's velocity, you know, the bullpen, some some small notes, but the biggest takeaway from the pitching was steel. And the reason that's the case is because his command was not sharp, but he still shut down Milwaukee for 6 innings. Corey, why did he do that? Because what we saw last year in that second half, carried over, and that was his stuff. His stuff by the end of August, right before he hurt his back, that minor back injury. His slider was rating 95% better from a pure stuff perspective than the rest of the league. In addition, his four-seam fastball, likewise, was rating 95% better than the rest of the league. How is this calculated? This is calculated by Velocity separation from force seam is calculated by uh, horizontal break, vertical movement, release point. Those are going to be weighed differently by these different algorithms. But the point being is that these models are very accurate and they're able to predict run uh, expectancy extremely well. And those types of models rate Steel's slider as 95% better Than the rest of the league and that carried over if you looked at his actual stuff command was not there but the horizontal break was similar to how it was in august the velocity was similar everything was similar the location intent was similar and he was missing command and missing the edges, but they were competitive misses. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what Tommy Haddavy told our guys a few months ago, that one of the biggest reasons for Steele's success last year was that when he missed, they were competitive. Mm -hmm. And Steele even told uh, Ryan Herrera that as well. That was one of the main reasons going down and in to right-handed batters opened him up for success because when he missed down and in, he missed up. And that cut, rising fastball-induced whips, and you saw that so many yeah. times on Saturday. So if this continues, Corey, I for a year and a half, two years, I've been doing this now for, what, two, three years with Steele trying to monitor stuff. I always thought Steele needs three pitches. Steele needs four pitches or he's not going to get through. And that was the case. But what happened since then, over the last two years, it was that he developed two dominant pitch types. He's he's becoming one of those guys that we've talked about the Cubs wanting to get on their team, like Chris Archer from four or five years ago when Chris Archer was throwing a slider once every other pitch. Like, he's becoming one of those two-pitch guys that can survive, and that does not need a third pitch. And that is beyond significant, Corey.
1: Yeah, just an incredible start. And, you know, especially you look at how this series is is sort of drawn up. Obviously, the overall results, notwithstanding, like you know, you're going up against Burns and Woodruff. You know that's a, a tough task, right? And these mm. are going to be close games and stuff like that. And then you look at the lines, and Steele goes pitch for pitch and ends up pitching better than Brandon Woodruff, right? They both yeah. went six innings. They both allowed three hits. They both struck out eight. Only one of them gave up a run, Brendan, and it wasn't Justin Steele.
0: <laughs> and Steele wasn't even on his best game. Right. That's the crazy part about that. So
1: th- that that was a, a real positive from Saturday. Another positive, Ian Happ, it was the lone run, but first home run of the season. If you had Ian Happ on your bingo board for the first Cubs home run of the year, congratulations to you. You are a winner. You don't win anything, but congratulations. Um, it fell apart a little bit. Uh Javier mm-hmm. Assad comes in for a multi-inning relief role. Obviously, we saw him dominant in the w- WBC. Stuff looked good. Didn't uh, you know, have it completely in that second inning. Uh, he ends up getting charged with three earned runs. Like I said, uh, a good piece of hitting on on the big blow of the game from William Contreras to just sort of poke the bat out there, right, and and get it in the outfield. A lot of debate about uh, you know whether Miles Mastroboni should have dove for that ball. Um, I mean, obviously he should have, but, you know, like, you know, you listen to his, his explanation and it's like, well, it's easy for me to say, right. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, for a lot of reasons he, he should have dove. We'll, we'll talk about some of that in terms of roster construction in a second, because I think yeah. the, the main response I would have to that is sure he should have dove. He probably shouldn't be in right field is the real answer, right? So nitpicking whether he should have dove or not, you're, you're mis- you're burying the lead, right? Uh, I do want to get to, uh, Sunday's game and then our first ad break, and then we can kind of get into the weeds on some yes. of this, or, some more of this stuff. I, I wanted to focus on Dansby and Justin Steele and Marcus Stroman, cause those things were just so good. So I just didn't want to wait on those Sunday, a nine to five win for the Brewers. Uh, the game, not quite as close as that score suggests the Cubs put some on in the seventh and the eighth, but, uh, this one felt over for the majority uh, of it. Uh, Jamison Tyone gets the start for the Cubs. Four innings, seven hits, three runs, one walk, and two strikeouts. Just didn't have his best stuff. Uh, A lot of contact. Not all of it hard. Some of it hard. But uh, the Brewers, uh, the BABIP gods, were definitely shining down on the Milwaukee Brewers today, as they have been for several years. And it really makes me sick. But that's a separate uh, point, Brendan. Uh, (laughs) A rough debut for Julian Merriweather. Five hits, five earned runs, and two walks in two-thirds of an inning. Lighter Jr. A very nice inning of work. He did walk two, uh, but also struck out two. Stuff looked pretty good. Michael Rucker gives up a run in relief. And I know you want to talk about the two scoreless innings with three strikeouts, no hits, no walks for Adbert. Alzali in do. relief. Uh, maybe should have used him earlier, but what do I know, right? And <laughs> um, Anyway, uh it was nine to five. That is pretty much the gist of it. The Cubs runs in this game, uh coming mostly from the bat of Patrick Wisdom, who homers twice on Sunday. Dansby Swanson, of course, also drove in a run because he's just really good. He's he, he has, Swanson. he's just showing out in his first weekend as a Chicago Cub. Uh currently hitting five eighty three on the season is Dansby that Swanson. Uh, and that's, that's about the gist of it. So let's get to our first ad break here and then we can come back and, you know, get deeper in the weeds on some of the stuff that we saw from this weekend. Okay.
0: This podcast, as you guys know, is sponsored by DraftKings. Use code CHGO when you sign up. This Saturday, the action-packed UFC 287 fight card finishes with an epic rematch. Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya will face off again for the middleweight title down for your shot to win big with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet just $5 on the pre-fight money line and get $150 in bonus bets if their fighter wins. Plus, all customers can get closer to the octagon excitement with DraftKings. Same game par lays. Combine multiple UFC 287 bets into one for a shot at an even bigger payout. Download the app now and use code CH. CHGO, new customers again, bet $5 on the pre-fight money line and get $150 in bonus bets if their fighter wins. This Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook again with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. They have a deep beer roster. They have the Black Ox Pale Ale, it's a limited release. In fact, the Hawks and Goose Island have been neighbors for almost a quarter century. There's a Goose Pub in the UC that's been open for almost a decade. Their tap room is a pregame destination for Hawks fans. They also do lots of charity work. They have been doing it for now for several years. There's also the Bull City 312, which is a limited release, and the staple 312 Wheat Ale, the Bourbon County Stout, the Beer Hug IPA Series, Greenland, Matilda. So many different options, so many different unique favorites by people. Goose Island also has two locations. They're open, ready to welcome you. Grab a beer right from their innovation tanks at Goose Island Tap Room at one hundred West Fulton, or get a smash burger and a fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brewhouse at one eight hundred North Clybourne. For reservations and pickup, go to gooseisland.com slash locations. Goose Island Beer Company.
1: Okay, Brendan. So let's ah. let's let's finish up on the good, and then we can get into maybe some of the not good and just maybe some of the I, 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 yeah, concerns is it's just <laughs> I don't know it just feels it's too early for it that. feels dramatic right it is three games I think we can be dramatic if you want no we I don't want be dramatic. to I, I think right. again some of the stuff that we saw that is responsible for losses wasn't really a surprise right so I think calling it a concern maybe is fair because it's not unexpected right uh, but again, at the same time, it's just, it's three games, right? So like, I, I can't bring myself to react too strongly, right? Um, one thing I, I, I wanted to note uh, particularly was I'm, I'm glad to see Patrick Wisdom start the season with a couple bombs like he did on Sunday. Firstly, because power is something you're searching for, right, with this roster, you you've added some you know you have some really strong contact guys you you have some some good hitters you have some reclamation projects etc. But power is is something we weren't exactly positive completely where it was going to come from. We know wisdom had it, but just kudos to him. I think it, it you know again it's a it, just the start of the season, but a guy that a lot of people have had questions about since he first came up in 2021 and just not sure that he would be able to stick at the MLB level, right, with his K-rate and, um, you know, his age and, and things like that and having not really gotten a real opportunity up until that point. And he just keeps proving it, man, that he belongs at this level, right? He's got some flaws. He is who he is as a player, but he just keeps proving it at this point. Like, it's, you know, this year has a long way to go. But year in and year out, man,
0: he just proves that like, he's got skills that play at this level. He does. And the way he was used on Sunday is reason to be encouraged because his compliment piece being Edwin Rios, they compliment each other not because of the handedness, but because of the pitch types that they succeed against. For wisdom, low ball hitter, right? You saw both his home runs being those lower, below the belt type pitches, does well against lefties also. But Rios, on the other hand, good high ball hitter, Right, So you may have situations where Rios may get to start against a left-handed pitcher because that lefty likes to go up in the zone. Likewise, you may get wisdom, have opportunities against righties because that righty throws mostly low in the zone. So I like the idea of those two for the current time being playing third base or whether or not be third base or some other position, at least kind of mixing and matching that way and not playing guys who can't hit the ball out of the infield that often. Like that to me is one of the advantages of the Rio's wisdom uh, duo, if you want to call it back. And probably, Probably more so once Sia comes back, you can actually look at those two as more explicit complementary pieces. But the way that they were used, the way that Ross deployed them, I, I appreciate it. Now, Rios did not have the success that Wisdom had, but you saw the intent. You saw yeah. with Woodruff, you know, change-up guy, high fastball guy, you saw playing off each other very well, I, and Rios was the perfect guy for that. Yeah,
1: I, I, I know he's, he's playing matchups and things like that. And, uh,
0: you know, given the weather and the
1: starters you had for the Brewers and things, like that, like I, I I know, sort of the the idea, but I would really like to see probably both of them in there more often. Like you just look at the lineup, and it just feels like it's lacking thump, right? Man, I don't think you're going to get. That. I'm worried we're not either, but yeah. we'll get into that when we talk about roster concern. I want to focus on the good first, right? Because I again, I think a lot of the good that we saw is worth discussing, and I think is going to continue throughout the season. And while I do want to talk about the bad and the ugly and some things that maybe are precedent for concern as the season goes along, um, I don't want to highlight that totally after three games. Just feels not right to me. Um, Some of you, uh, you know, are probably freaking out after three games, you know, and like are already, you know, pissed off and this, that, and the other. But I mean, I'm one of them. Well, I mean me too, a little bit, but like I, I think the good is worth focusing on first. That's that's my main point. Um, talk oh, yeah. to me about Adbert Owsly. Oof,
0: man. All right. Uh Adber, okay. The slider, Corey. He should be the closer right now. Like in, in my imaginary bullpen scenario, he's the closer. I understand the reason he's not, and it's not a dumb decision to not make him the closer. I get having Fulmer, having Boxberger. They have a large sample of good command. They have the experience. They're veterans. Totally understand that. But if you just look at a pitch type perspective and what these guys have to offer from a group in the bullpen, no one has Adverse Slider at this point. Adverse Slider last season Even when he came back dealing with that arm injury and not being fully amped up like you otherwise would have been with the regular season being normal, he still had a whiff rate with that pitch of 30%. The average slider whiff rate is 15%. No one in the Cubs bullpen last year had an average whiff rate with one pitch type over 22%. So adverse slider is right now as stands the best pitch in the Cubs bullpen. So you look at Saturday's game. You need an out. You need a whiff. You can't afford to get a blue pit. You can't afford to have any weak contact. They got dinged to death this weekend. I don't want that to ever happen again. So that's why using Adbert in a situation that's a fireman role where you need the whiffs make sense. I also like his attitude. He talked with Ryan. He talked with the guys about how he wants to embrace that high leverage closer role. He talked about imagining situations where he has his walk-in song from the bullpen. You know he has the attitude to do it. I don't expect him to get the call right away. I don't even know if he will this season given some of the other alternatives, but in a vacuum, just looking at what these pitchers have to offer. Right now, no one has adverse slider. One last thing, the potential reason to not use him in that late-inning reliever role is because he struggled against left-handed batters when he was pitching out of the rotation. They try to use a cutter to combat those lefty challenges. The cutter has looked really good. The cutter is developing nicely. And he has five pitch types. Sometimes he's thrown six pitch types in certain games. I think he's reached a point where some of those lefty struggles that he once had may not be an issue anymore. The cutter plays extremely well off that sinker. Both those pitches cross home plate at like the identical vertical angle. They're basically mirror images of each other. And I think you can imagine situations where there's maybe a lefty heavy lineup in the eighth or ninth inning. Adler may be able to get through those situations now because he has that cutter. He has that cutter, he has a sinker, he has that that very whiffable slider that I really like. I want to see him get more opportunities in higher leverage situations. If we're going to put certain pitchers on like different pegging orders, right now I put him above Boxberger. I, I, I put him, again, in an in a imaginary world, I put him above anyone else. But realistically, I think you can put him above like someone like Boxberger at this point. Okay.
1: Uh, sure. Whatever you want, Brendan. You're the, you're the pick doctor. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Doctor, I appreciate you tell that. Me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I'm not, like sometimes, you know, when we talk about certain pitchers and certain pitch types, we talk about what could be, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, this, if Tyone's sweeper develops and he has that horizontal break goal and he gets that, this is what's going to happen. This is a little bit, different like the stuff is already there the reason he wouldn't have success or the reason that we can't project his success is because he just hasn't done it like the sample's not there mm-hmm. right but the thinking for me i will always say this for the first few weeks the thinking for me is that this team's not going to make the playoffs unless they hit on the extreme so why like you can throw box burger can throw these guys later in the games but if they perform as expected Then it doesn't necessarily matter. Like you need to get guys that perform above their expectations. And Alzalite is one of those guys. So I would like to risk it now. And if it doesn't work out, you know, even if Boxberger and other guys did work out, probably it's not going to make the playoffs anyway.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, I that that is fair, and, and that does make sense. It uh, was also good to see Keegan Thompson, as I mentioned, look good Throwing on Thursday. Right, there was some, you know, that brief period of concern with his velocity. He looks really good. Results were really good. Velocity looked good. He looks good. Keegan, still our mayor, per our guy Cody Del Mendo, yep. uh, looks very good uh, what else was good on the weekend? Not that much else. I don't think, I don't think I'm forgetting that much. I gave credit to Ian Happ, Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner, uh, in the leadoff spot, uh, Jan Gomes, you know, not overall the best week, but I thought he hit the ball pretty well, you know, just from a, uh, you know, uh, process standpoint, really nearly had a grand slam on Sunday. Uh, you know, obviously the Cubs catching, trio is not the the biggest group of hitters. But I think, you know, Jan Gomes looked perfectly fine at the plate. Uh, Overall, you know, pitching was good. Obviously, Sunday gets away from them. Um, But I think that's, you know, a lot of the good stuff. So I, I think when we come back from our second ad break here, am I missing any good stuff, Brendan? I think I gave credit to everybody.
0: No, I mean, I do want to just, before I do the ad break sure. here, I, I thought it was interesting how Gomes was used higher up in the order. He batted, uh-huh. I believe, fifth on Sunday. Yeah. That that was interesting. And, you know, Ross sometimes uses his guts, his feel, what he's seen recently. I hated the lineup when I saw sure. it. Gomes looked good at the plate. May not have gotten the results, but he did drive the ball, as he pointed out there. Almost had that grand slam. Uh, had a very hard hit base hit to the left side could have been a double on a different day it could have been a double if the angle was slightly shifted to the left and is that bass looked pretty good so Gomes has a history of being a successful hitter didn't show it last season didn't like him batting fifth didn't like him batting sixth right. over wisdom but you know I guess I do give Ross credit if he did see something in the last few weeks that suggested that he would uh perhaps be better than what we thought early on yeah
1: and I think part of that too you know Cody Bellinger doesn't look great to start the season. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's three games. Uh, but then, you know, I think they're, they're clearly giving him some runway to play every day, you know, not necessarily, uh, being matchup dependent, which is what we expected. Uh, but you know, I think if he felt good about the swings Gomes was taking, uh, then you had Bellinger in there, uh, but against a lefty on Sunday, you know, drop him down a little bit. And, you know, hopefully if Cody gets going here, he'll be back up in that, in that cleanup spot with regularity, even against lefties. Right. Uh, But yeah, that was, uh, I think a lot of the good stuff and, you know, we can jump into the ad break and then we'll talk about some of the not so good stuff. But, you know, again, like for me, I wanted to lead with that in the first two segments because I think a lot of that is stuff that is going to continue. And when we talk about Dansby Swanson looking really good, Nico Horner overall looking really good, Ian Happ having a good weekend, Justin Steele being really good over six innings, Marcus Stroman being really good, some of these relievers, Keegan Thompson, Albert Alzelay, These guys are part of whatever this future looks like for this organization, whether we're talking about 2023 or beyond, maybe not necessarily Marcus Stroman if he opts out, but these are all important guys. So Justin Seale coming out and looking like that in one start to me is more important than some of the stuff we're going to talk about when we come back from this ad break. But maybe some of you disagree. Maybe Brendan
0: disagrees. I don't know. All right, first break here from our sponsor Rotowire. It is now baseball season. There's still fantasy baseball drafts to be had. Rotowire is a pioneer of fantasy sports. They have been for over 25 years. With them, you can get cheat sheets, custom player rankings to fit all leagues, whether it be rotisserie, points-based, 10-based categories, 30 categories, whatever your style of fantasy sports are. You can let their experts analyze all the wild baseball stats for you, like WRC+, barrel rate. You can find sleepers, prospects, hard hit rates, all those numbers you find at websites like Fangraphs or Baseball Perspectives. They also have mock drafts. Galore, they have this Ask the Experts Functions, which is a premium fantasy draft kit. You can have different custom start-sit recommendations, ad drops recommendations, trade advice, lineup optimizers, and you can get access to fantasy and sports betting articles on the daily. For a limited time, Rotowire is offering a free two-day trial to our listeners. Just go to rotowire.com, backslash chgo to register, no commitments, but they are so confident that you'll like their product and you'll want to invest in a subscription plan that they don't even ask for a credit card up front. So take a peek behind the paywall. And when the trial is done, you can decide if a rotowire package is right for you. Second break here from our sponsor, Foco Chicago. You've already got the best coverage for your favorite team. So get fitted out in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles. Looking for the perfect gift for the football or baseball fan in your life? FOCO has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze or those early April Wrigley games. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below for all non-prestale items. Use a code, pro, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Okay, Brendan, let's talk
1: about stuff we didn't like. Do you want to? Uh,
0: it depends how much time we have here. I could do this for the like, next two hours.
1: We're gonna try to keep <laughs> it to an hour, folks. Oh, uh, but yeah, we do, we want to leave a little bit for you know, Luke and, and Cody and Ryan on Monday, sure, right? Yeah, um, firstly. W- what did it, I, I I know you're not concerned about it. It was one start. But but what anything from Jamison Tyone worth yeah, discussing, fine. it's fine. Okay. Just it's not fine.
0: his day. But, I mean, so there's been starts in the past where people have looked at peripherals and and movement and velocity and stuff and they tend to freak out like if you look at Tyone's stuff everything's within range right the command wasn't there I mean that's what it is he was leaky he got dinged to death some of the batted balls were hard hit but a lot of them were soft contact and unfortunately didn't fall his way he did face a heavy lefty lineup if if you were looking for this sweeper that we've been talking about, everyone's been talking about, didn't happen today. One of the reasons being is because the Brewers are a lefty-heavy lineup, and you saw Tyon use his lefty-heavy mix. This is the good thing about Tyon, right? This is one positive. The positive is that he has unique pitch repertoires and strategies that are relative to his competition. And against lefties, he's able to use heavy cutters, you saw it today. Against righties, he may use heavy four-seams, may go with the sinker, may go with more change-ups. But the sweeper, you can tell the intent with that pitch for now is to use that against right-handed batters. Is This goes back to what we're talking about with Azulay. Azulay has a very, very breakable slider that gets a lot of whips. But when he misses, when he had missed against lefties, he got crushed, right? So, for Jameson, it's the same type of thinking process, where if you're not comfortable with the sweeper against the lefties, if you miss your location, the likelihood is that pitch is going to get yeah. destroyed. So you didn't see it that day. I don't think it's a reason to be uh, lacking optimism about it going forward, but that explains why you didn't see it. Overall, the stuff looked fine. I have no no issues going forward. Yeah. Yeah
1: uh yeah me neither uh you know again everybody's pitching in the same conditions but you know you've got a windy wrigley weather was you know mostly chilly throughout the weekend it is what it is right um you know, and it's, it's the same for, you know, obviously we expect big things from Stroman and Steele and stuff, but it's it's one start for everybody, right? Everybody's got to go back out there the next turn through the rotation and prove it again. So,
0: Well, for Steele, I mean, we can, we can before you go on to the more the bad stuff, like if you look at that, uh, I believe it was second inning of Steele's start, he had Dansby and Nico turn that double play. Mm-hmm. It was a hard hit grounder, I believe, off the bat of William Contreras. Yeah. right? That ball gets through, it's a different discussion. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Even though that Steele stuff was fine, it's the same type of thinking that you can use for Tyone just didn't get some of the outs but overall the stuff was fine yeah and that's what's important
1: all right so for me I think the the standout of the weekend as we talked about like I think those first two games so emblematic of what we expected from this team and how a lot of these games are going to go and hopefully there's more like Thursday than there is like Saturday one of the main things that that stuck out to me Brendan, in in looking at this, is this is just not an optimized roster. No. Um, and I'm, it's, as we talked about, like, who breaks camp on the MLB roster, these things can change a thousand times, right? The roster can literally change pretty much an unlimited amount of times, as long as guys have options and you have the players and health and things like that, right? So it's okay. But When you drop a series and a few of the games are close, um, it does highlight how the roster was put together. And we know this team wasn't built to be a juggernaut. We know that this wasn't the organization pushing all of their chips in, prospects, money, everything, to win a championship in 2023. We know that, right? But when you look at this group and you see three catchers on the roster, right, all of which at this point, until proven otherwise, not really the best hitters, right? It's it's a light hitting group. Then you see two starts for Nick Madrigal at a position that is not his natural position, right? And this isn't even me on my usual Madrigal slant. I'm just saying two starts for a guy playing not his natural position, Then you look at the game on Saturday where everybody's talking about, did Miles Mastroboni need to dive, et cetera, et cetera. He's not a right fielder. It's not his natural position. (laughs) So you've got three catchers on the roster, none of which are you expecting to be a particularly good hitter, right? Especially we know that in Barnhart and Gomes, it's not what they're here for, right? I think they're hoping to maybe catch something with uh, Luis Torrens. But then you've got multiple guys who are are being asked to play a position that they are not naturally playing and have not spent most of their career playing, practicing, perfecting, getting good at. That's not good roster construction, Brendan. That is not an optimi- optimized roster. And we can get into some of the decisions David Ross made and things like that, but that i feel like when you lose a close game on saturday and sunday was a weird one right because the cubs were up uh 1 to nothing 2 to 1 and then you know even going into the top of the 6 where the brewers put up a five spot it got away from the cubs obviously it was a one run game for over half of that game right But those are the spots where you feel those things. And you get to certain points in the lineup where you're like, man, I don't know if the Cubs can come back from this, right? Because you just have some dead zones in this lineup. And then you start to ask those questions. And you're like, okay, yeah, we do have three catchers on this roster. We do have multiple guys being asked to play positions they don't really play. You have... uh, first baseman, he didn't start on Sunday, in Eric Hosmer, who can only play first base, right? And maybe you could DH him if you want a guy to DH that's going to hit a ground ball to second base 50% of the time, but that's probably not what you want out of your DH spot. So that was one of the main highlights for me, is that this just... And, and and I kind of alluded to where you had so many people, Brendan, talking about Christopher Morell, right? And we discussed that, right? And his K rate and things like that. He did show out, you know, this weekend in uh, AAA with some, some homers, some hard-hit balls, uh, people talking about Matt Mervis, right? And I'm not immediately going to that because it's been three games, right? But you see why people start to kind of ask these questions because you're just looking at this going and going, there's probably a better way to construct this, right? And I already know what you're going to say, but I
0: obviously will allow you the platform to say it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I've been texting you the entire weekend with uh, with these thoughts. But what it comes down to for me is, it's going to be a key word, but it is the extremes, right? It's like your floor for magical is higher then your floor for, let's say, Morrell at this point. The situation with Morrell is he's going to whiff so much that his overall value is going to be so low in the immediate the floor, and you it mean. could harm the his The worst-case outcome for Morrell, you mean? Yeah, yes. okay. your worst-case outcome. Just clarify. Now, your worst-case outcome for Maduro was also pretty bad, but it may not be as dire. And then you start thinking, okay, so let's say that... It's May 1st, and Morel's doing well. Mervis is doing well. The Cubs are still in a competitive window. The wild card is still so early, but like they have a shot at putting together a quality season. Then you call them up, and you cut bait with the experiment that was magical, or Hosmer, or Mastroboni. Then you put the full... Optimal roster out there, right? So the thinking is you spend the next three, five, six weeks trying to shore up your depth while also sustaining your higher ceilings in AAA that are getting consistent everyday playing time. That is a logical thinking process. But what if you come to May and you underperformed where you're not even hitting your expectations but you're way below them and you're several games below 500 and the chance for a competitive season is much lower than you even thought it could have been when you started the season that's my for me my worst case scenario i don't want that to happen but i'm more willing to accept that being a result if you at least play your highest ceiling guys possible. If you throw everything out there and give your team the best chance to win, then I'm okay accepting that worst outcome. But I'm not okay accepting that worst outcome if you're not putting forth your best roster. It's not acceptable, Corey, to have Nick Madrigal and Mastroboni playing positions they've never played with any consistency in their careers, and both those guys are, at best, right now, utility guys. Right. That unproven the in the first place. Unproven. Right. So we can say, oh, you know, Master Boney should have dove out there. Like, dude, that is such an instinctual decision. Right. That's not some type of rational thinking process, right? And then you can start saying, okay, well, he should have been prepared to do that. Dude, like, he does not play right field. That is a Jed Hoyer, Carter Hawkins problem, that's a david right. ross problem don't put your roster in you're the position you're not putting to them in the best like position to succeed right. yeah so for me for me it's if you're not going to roster morell and and Mervis, i get that. But the alternatives being magical and master bony, you have to hit on those margins. Right. And the likelihood you hit on the margins with those guys, for me, is not good enough. And that validates a lot of the concerns we saw, or the, rather that we talked about in the off season. Even though it's a short series, even though it's the start of the season, it validates what we've been saying for months.
1: Right, and you know sometimes it doesn't even have to necessarily be morell and Mervis, like you said, uh, you know legitimate reasons to potentially decide you want them to get more seasoning, right mm. but at the same time, you know Greg Huss, friend of the friend of the podcast, friend of the program, friend in general, yeah, was talking about Nelson Velasquez and how he came up last year um, and didn't really get regular playing time to really kind of get a fair shake and and see if he could make it right at the big league level and now you have guys out of position playing right field right and that (laughs) includes patrick wisdom who i think does a fine job in the outfield but he's a he's a third baseman he's better at third or first baseman, yeah
0: yeah
1: and instead of saying hey let's use our young guy and see what we got let's see if we can make it happen here You're just putting guys out of position in right field. And like you alluded to, in terms of Madrigal or Mastroboni or even, you know, Torrens, right, getting an opportunity at DH or if he ends up catching some, whatever, these are all guys who are not proven at this level, right? And so you talk about the floor. The floor for those guys is bad. They're bad players, (laughs) right, if they hit their floor, if it doesn't all come together for them. Instead... wouldn't it be better, especially if you're not sure if Cody Bellinger reclaims his solid form or if Trey Mancini is, you know, a comeback player of the year candidate, wouldn't it be more interesting and more, uh, you know, a, a better construction to say, hey, let's give the young guys a shot because if they do hit and they do figure it out, right, they haven't gotten this chance yet, all of a sudden things kind of flip, Right. Yeah. And that's just not the decision that they made. And again, it's three games. So I don't want to get on them too much because this is the decision they made. They're going to see it through at least a little bit. But I, I, I get your overall point being that this team may not have enough time to weather a storm if that's what this ends up being. Why even risk it? It's a good question. I know a lot of people don't agree with it.
0: Yeah, well, that's a lot of people want to
1: see the young guys and say, Hey, give these guys a shot. It would be more fun anyway, right? Than older guys and things like that. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It has a similar likelihood as the guys that are out there now, but the ceiling is incredibly much higher with some of these guys, right? So, and you,
0: yeah, it, it reminded me too of what Greg was talking about the Nelson Velasquez. Uh, rostering last season when he got when he got 200 plate appearances with the Cubs he didn't play every day so I start going backwards being like all right well you guys didn't play him like every day last season now you decide to do it when the team could possibly be competitive so there's there's a lack of harmony in their thinking process and of course we're not in it we're like our opinions are just that like we're stupid people talking about this of course you you have to default to the guys who are running the team right but i do think it's fair to at least question the generalities of it because They've admitted in the past they've held on to certain guys too long. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say any of their names (laughs) or whatever, but that has been the case, and they openly admit that. There's been problems with certain development, the pitching infrastructure before 2019. Like These are all things they openly admit, right? And so it's okay to at least second- Guess the thinking process. You can understand what they're doing. You can buy the rationality of it. It may actually work out, right? But at the same time, it's deserving of criticism. I think it is fair to say, hmm, you know, is this the best path forward? What is Nick Madrigal's best? Optimal outcome. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. You said it yourself. Someone who's an above average bat who has a unique skill that may strike out under ten percent of the time, and you can use them across the diamond. That is extremely valuable. Uh-huh. Okay. So what is the opportunity cost? The opportunity cost for that is he's a two seventy-five weight on base average guy that cannot play defense at any position, and you just cost yourself the twenty twenty-three season by two games because you risk that and you get Christopher Morel, Matt Mervis hitting three. Three bombs a week when you could otherwise use them in early April. That's the right. opportunity cost. Which one are you more comfortable risking? Are you more comfortable risking a Nick Magical sub 10% strikeout rate? Or are you more comfortable risking a Christopher Morrell 500 plus play appearance guy with 25 plus home runs? Right. For me, I know my answer. I'm not saying that's the right way to go about it, but that's what, that's what I would do.
1: Yeah, well, and I think it's easy to highlight too, especially you look at the way you won the game on Thursday, right? Largely, you you brought in Dansby Swanson to be the guy, right? Nico setting the table, um, and and that was kind of the main story in that game, right? The stars, right? Stroman, Swanson, Nico. You've got Hap hitting the homer on Saturday look good and then you look at how you lost the game on saturday and then you say okay well Dansby's still doing his thing all weekend stars still doing star stuff right but the rest of the team is not backing it up and so that's when you start to look at it and go okay well yeah like you have three weak hitting catchers on the roster you have multiple guys playing out of position, who haven't proven anything. You have a guy in Eric Hosmer who, you know, again, ended up being a a slightly above-league average hitter overall last year, but who the Padres are, are paying you to not play for them, right? And then you start to say, like, okay, well, like, yeah, this is the area where people are going to probably draw their attention to if things aren't going well, because this is how you filled out the rest of the roster. And again, it, it, it doesn't even have to be necessarily about specific individual guys. Obviously, Mervis is the likely, you know, person for first base. Of course he is, right? Of course Christopher Murrell is in this conversation. Of course Nelson Velasquez is in this conversation. But it could be anybody, right? Either in the organization or outside of the organization. The point is, it just doesn't feel like an optimized roster, right now. And it puts David Ross in a tough spot. And, you know, then again, you look at Rios has an excellent spring. He's smacking the ball. He plays one game in this series. I understand Mm -hmm. matchups. I'm not an idiot, right? Don't explain splits to me, things like that. I get it, right? But I would have rather seen him out there and try to do exactly what Wisdom did on Sunday, and just launch a couple dingers, right? Rather than Mastroboni getting a start in right field, or Nick Madrigal playing two right. games, or Eric Hosmer starting multiple games. Like that's just not to me the 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 best way to go about this. But again, it's it it it's a weird line, Brendan, because as we've talked about, it's just three games but how much runway does this team have? It's one series, right, for each team. But you look across the division, that Cardinals offense looks lethal, dude. It's three games, but they look really good. Their pitching is a mess, but that offense looks really good. You got to keep pace, right? So, I think when you look at this series, the, the one thing I think we knew is true and I think we saw in this series, th- the Cubs can compete with this Milwaukee team, right? I never bought Milwaukee as being like a, a big threat in the division. I, I don't think that they're there. The Cubs can compete with this team, but that's why we're talking about this stuff. You got to get these decisions right if you're going to compete in this division and with a team yeah. like Milwaukee, you have got to get these decisions right. One thing I want to ask you, I know we're running long, but That's the first fine. series, it's its what it is. Let's do it. What did you think about the Javier Assad decision from David Ross? Because when we talk about roster construction, right, I think a lot of this, at least right now that we're talking about, is front office stuff, right? They're likely not decisions. David Ross maybe has some impact, a voice in the decisions. He's not making them, though. Ultimately, the buck stops with Jed in the front office. So we talked about some of those. Those are our opinions. There are a lot of people's opinions. We'll see how they decide to shake it out, but you got to see a little more than three games, I think. But the Javier Assad thing was David Ross's decision. So I'm curious what you thought about that, the decision to let him go multiple innings, the decision to not have the bullpen up and ready in that particular spot. What
0: did you think about that particular situation? I like, first off, when we talk about different urgency situations and being aggressive, I like the idea of giving Assad that opportunity. I thought that was great. I like the even the idea of giving Assad the chance to go multiple innings. I'm fine with that. I thought he looked great in his first inning, comes back off, the second inning, doesn't have his stuff. It just completely escapes him after that first inning where he threw so many different pitches on the edges. So what happens is the guy gets on first base, second guy comes up, the Brewers here wants to lay down a bunt, Assad can't throw strikes anymore. That's that's it. No more strikes from Assad. At that point, the bullpen is not moving, right? And you, you see it kind of slowly unraveling and he ends up walking the guy trying to bunt. Then what happens? Oh, bullpen rapidly uh, gets up, starts stretching really fast, really fast. Assad faces a few more batters. Game's lost. Done, right? So what's the alternative? The alternative is you give Assad the chance. However, you have a guy up and going just in case that situation happens. And from Ross's point of view, the idea that saw can do it is awesome. But the chances it can unravel are also a little bit greater than having a veteran reliever. Um, and he didn't necessarily plan for that at the optimal pace. And you saw that ending up costing the Cubs... The game, so I I don't like that. It's not to harp on on Ross so much. Some of the decisions I actually do like, and the concept of giving Assad the chance, I actually do like quite a bit. But those are the types of situations that the Cubs can't afford to miss on. And from a bullpen management and deciding who gets up and warms up, you don't want to warm the guy too much. Like there's a sense, there's a huge sense of unfamiliarity for me and my comfort level in talking about that and what the best way forward to do that. Um, is um you know, is, is pretty low, but we saw it not working and we saw the bullpen having it up extremely fast. And we saw that ended up costing Assad a few more batters and it cost him the game.
1: Yeah. I think that, that pretty much mirrors my thoughts. Um, you know, did just want to touch on that. Like I said, you know, kind of something that we've talked about a lot as a group and, you know, Luke was highlighting on Thursday in the pregame, um, just obviously a much, a, a much, better chance to evaluate David Ross as a manager in this season. And again, obviously coming straight off a discussion about how we don't think he was given the best roster, it you know is a little ironic to say that, but I think in comparison to the years that we've had, his decisions are going to be much more important and I think we're going to be able to evaluate him better yeah. as a manager in terms of his well, instincts and just how he's making these decisions, because I think more often than not, it's it's not necessarily going to only be about him, but I think you're going to see a lot more games than we have in the past, where you feel like his decisions are either winning or losing potential games.
0: Yeah, the roster, yes, this is going to be kind of a a better evaluation period for Ross on a decision point of view but you just said it right there the the Ross are still not optimal right so it's still kind of hard to figure out what's going on I I love the behind the scenes stuff with Ross like I love there's a video that uh, Cubs Productions put out where they show Ross giving his spring training opening day speech loved it love it man absolutely and you know, I think we all joke about, you know, Ross being um, you know, kind of like a uh, like a nepotism type pick because of his relationship with Theo and Jed. But like truly the the guy has it, man. Like that environment he's establishing is really fun yes. to see. And the players buy into it. Dansby, Nico, you know, these Wisniewski, like these guys believe it. Absolutely. In- for me like i'm a big environment person i think it's it's really coming together with the pitching side of things overall i think ross may not be getting as much credit as he deserves and the decisions the in-game decisions yeah they you know it's kind of hard to evaluate but as it stands now over the past couple years like i think ross has done a a really good job
1: yeah absolutely and i hey look man like John Lester loved the guy. That says more than anything else, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just think again, you know, a, a not a perfect chance to evaluate him, but better than I think the the past few years. Just how weird those seasons were, and those rosters were, and the the world circumstances were for some of the. Yeah years for david ross but yeah i mean i, I think that's ultimately my thought i, I don't want to keep harping on the same sentiment but I, I i do look at those first two games and i i you and i talked about it i talked about it with a lot of people and i saw the same sentiment across social media like that feels like a lot of what we're going to see um games where the cubs execute their pitching is great i think their pitching is going to be great the majority of the time Right, I, I think we've we've hit that point in the organization. I'm really excited to watch the starters on a daily basis. Uh, I think the bullpen is certainly going to take some, you know, there's going to be growing pains, right? You've got guys in roles that they haven't had yet. You have young guys, you have guys getting opportunities, adding pitches, making adjustments. So that, of course, like most bullpens, is going to take some time. There's going to be some lumps. There's going to be some success stories. It'll come together, right? But the starters, really excited about that group and the potential that they have, and especially uh, what we saw in particular from Stroman and Steele this weekend. Just incredible the way that they, they started this weekend. And allowing no runs, striking guys out, letting the defense do the work behind them, really brilliant stuff. Uh, the offense, you know, it was gross, obviously, for the most part, like Dansby Swanson looks unbelievable. I'm over the moon, right? For how much oh, we yeah. talked about the shortstops, they have to get a shortstop, talked about all four of them, this and that, and debated this and that. We've obviously, as the time has gone since the signing, gotten more and more excited to see Dansby and hearing from him and digging into what he can do and bring to this team. But just to, you know, talk about a kind of like announcing yourself type weekend to a new fan base, right? Everything he said was the right thing. Everything he did on the field was the right thing just a a brilliant weekend from Dansby Swanson and like everything else it's only one weekend everybody's got to keep doing it it's a long season there's a ton more to do and ton more to prove but a blast watching Dansby Swanson play and Nico as well yes of course
0: Nico made there was one diving play on Sunday um, the one that that he didn't get the out yeah man it's like oh yeah like, ugh, it was by a half a step. But overall, that defense up the middle is just unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, so so that was a pleasure. And, you know, again, we knew, I, I, again, I think a lot of why the discussion was so much of the roster construction. You even saw it. Like, I, there, there's some immediate, just like, I, I would use the word disdain for Eric Hosmer, <laughs> right? It feels very quick. Um, But I think a lot of that stems from, when people had their concerns or, you know, potential, as you talked about, Brendan, like ways that this team doesn't get to where they want to be, you sort of saw it in this particular weekend, right? And there's questions about whether they were set up to avoid that stuff or not. And, you know, again, only three games, but something to keep an eye on.
0: Okay, let's preview the upcoming series against the Cincinnati Reds. The Cubs travel to Cincinnati. First game, 5.40 p.m. start time Monday. Drew Smiley makes his 2023 debut for the Cubs. He'll be facing Cincinnati's Overton. And on Tuesday, another 5.40 p.m. start time, Wisniewski, as I said, making his debut. He'll be facing the Reds' Sessa. And then on Wednesday, Marcus Stroman, second start, looking to extend that good-looking outing. He'll be facing the Reds' ace, Hunter Green, who throws extremely fast. uh, Upper 90s, reaches low 100s at times during max effort. He did get roughed up a little bit in that first start. That Wednesday game starts in the morning, 11.35 a.m. Looking further ahead, Cubs have an off day on Thursday. They go back to Wrigley for a friday start to the weekend series against the texas rangers and that's what we have corey a lot to look forward to want to see more dansby see more nico see how the bullpen is used maybe assad gets another chance out there maybe we even see also get higher leverage situations and really just learning more about ross his roster construction and how they want to use the roster and just getting more information about what this team actually is going to look like long term
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think uh, pretty simple. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, a ton that we're looking at individually. But, you know, second series of the year, you didn't win the first one, just go win a series, right? Take two out of three, take it one step at a time. And I think that's that's all I'm... That's all I'm really looking for. Would obviously like to see more from the offense and, you know, certain guys to sort of get their season off to uh, a better start. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the time, uh, a trip to Cincinnati in that ballpark is a yeah, a good helps. way to do that. Yeah, so yeah. let's see if that helps. Uh, a programming note for you. Uh, this will be our schedule for Brendan and I uh, for this season. We will be doing just one episode a week, uh, a weekly recap, if you will uh, on Sundays, Monday morning, uh, you know, obviously depending on timing and things like that. Uh, obviously still live pregame, postgame shows throughout the week with the entire crew. Brendan and I will be a part of that. Uh, but in terms of just the two of us, we're going to be doing just the, uh, end of the week, beginning of the week, however you want to look at that episode, uh, for, this year uh this is what year seven for us brendan no, eight. Year eight. eight. Yep. uh and uh you know at some point folks uh life uh sort of finds a way to make it not so easy to do uh multiple episodes uh, of just us uh throughout the week so uh that is what we are going to have for you this year but like i said chgo cubs coverage uh will be with you every day podcasts live shows excellent writing uh from our guy ryan herrera jared willis and brendan miller dr brendan miller i got new graphs coming up he's very excited about them you guys i I wish i could explain to you the text (laughs) i've been getting and how excited he is about these graphs and um i i feel like a you know like a parent when their kid shows them like a painting that they did in kindergarten and you have to be like wow it's it's so cool and (laughs) are you comparing my work to (laughs) kindergarten work
0: yes Oh, man. even though right.
1: i'm not the one in this conversation that has a doctorate but
0: yeah i was going to say yeah. yeah watch what you're saying
1: uh so yeah that is the, the the programming note for you um on this particular monday uh cody ryan and luke will be back in the studio for you for all of your cubs and reds coverage Uh, As always, hey, as we kick off uh, our eighth regular season here, we appreciate your support of not only just Brendan and I, but everything going on at CHGO and the entire CHGO Cubs crew. Don't forget to head over to allchgo.com. Check out all of the great writing. Check out the Die Hard memberships. Check out our dope merch. As I mentioned, the beautiful historic t-shirt is a beaut. Uh, and don't forget to use code CHGO when you sign up with DraftKings. As always, we appreciate you guys listening. Very glad to have regular season baseball back in our lives. Very glad I was able to be back at beautiful historic Wrigley Field, and hopefully uh, the Cubs start winning more games than they are losing. But like I said, let's start in Cincinnati, let's win a series, and we will take things from there. Brendan and I will talk to you again next week. We appreciate your support. And as always, go Cubs!